Welcome to Season 8 of Tell Me a Story I Don't Know, a fascinating journey into the lives of top sports personalities and their connections to Chicago. They reveal entertaining, memorable, and emotional stories many you've never heard before. I'm your host, George Hoffman, and please follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, and through our partnership with Last Word on Sports Media Podcast. Tell Me a Story I Don't Know is proudly sponsored by Mr. Duct, Chicagoland's premier comprehensive air duct cleaning and ventilation for residential and commercial properties. Their motto is simple. They're upfront and honest. Find them on the web at mrductcleaning.com. This week, we feature part two with longtime Chicago sports radio talk show host, Dan Bernstein. The most important thing is be real. Don't play a character. Don't be be hot takey and know when you when you're driving in what the most important things are to your listener that day. It seems hard to believe Dan Bernstein has been with WSCR The Score since 1995, but during that time has carved out a very successful career. He worked solo and then with several co-hosts, most notably Terry Bores. In part two of this engrossing conversation, Bernsey, as he's best known, discusses his relationship with Bores, his attitude towards callers, good guests and bad ones, and his devotion to children's oncology. But first, his incredible partnership with Terry Bores. I want to talk to you about your relationship with Terry Bores. And and I say this with all due respect to you and to anybody else who has plied their trade as being a sports talk show host. He is the best ever, in my opinion, in this city. You spent 17 years together, but it wasn't all that smooth in the beginning. Tell me a story I don't know about your partnership and how it grew. Well, I remember it was part of the problem when we first started was you know, you remember how the, the the station was a lot of there was a lot of internal politics, a lot of his guy, my guy, is this a north guy, and we're trying to wield power and grudges and fiefdoms, and it made it all very uncomfortable. When it happened, there was a lot of ill will because these partnerships got blown up and reconstituted. Yeah, yeah. And there was a lot of resentment because Terry thought it was, you know, a lot of people thought this was Mike North's doing, that North wanted to do it and that nobody wanted to cross North. Nobody wanted to take him on. And that they just said that they're they're doing this because he wanted to. So it took a while for some of the resentment to simmer down. And, and that's also when, you know, Terry, he, he always, he always kind of had a lump in your stomach because every day he's like, I'm, I'm retiring. I got to get out of this business. <laughs> I, no, seriously. And it was, it was I know. hard for me. I, I was, I'm, you know, I'm, how old was I when we started? It was, I, I'm, you know, 20, it was 99 when we started. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm 30 years old. And, and you know, that I felt like a vet cause I've been doing it for five years, but you're just, you know, your, your name is on a show. And this, you're looking at the next part of your life and thinking, well, now what's going to happen? If he walks away, I'm going back to the Sun-Times. I don't like it. I don't, I don't feel like it. And he, <laughs> and he could be cranky and moody. But when the light went on, it never mattered. I need to be better at my job. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't. You know what? It's far too late for that. That's far too late. I, I, Start over? That yeah. ship has sailed. Yeah, that, that thing Hard is gone. Hard reboot. That thing is gone. It's on our way to Norway. 
He could be bitching about everything. He could be in terrible pain. He could have a stomach virus. But the the moment that that red light went on, he was Terry and quick and funny and ready to go for for four hours. There's a bunch of furry, Ooh. ugly women that don't pass the eye test. Furry, ugly women. There's a bunch of chicks I walk past ball. with like mustaches and like, unibrows. What's with the women? Hairlines. Hey, let me that, this. She either has a mustache or a beard. But his his grace, Terry's, came when when Ron and Terry and I when the when the news just went. This is what we're doing. This is going to be the show. It was going to be Boars and Bernsey, and it, Gleason was adamant that it wouldn't be Bernstein, that it would be Bernsey. And I just didn't. I didn't like it. I thought it was infantilizing and reductive and it bothered me as a jew because i I wanted it it felt like you're hiding some ethnicity there yeah okay kind of old hollywood and kind of that whole idea that you know marv albert can't use his name or any of these other guys that they have to feel they have to change their name and i i really lobbied hard and and i said i i really don't want to be bernsey and ron's like well it endears you to the audience and I said, it's not my name. And Terry fought for me. Terry really fought for me. And that mattered. And Ron said, you know, it's really about Terry, this show. It's, it's more about Terry than it is about you. And Terry said, nope, it's a show. It, it's got to be a show. And it's got to be about whoever's whoever's hot for something. It's got to just let just let us do a show. And we're not going to try to see who's got, uh, got got mic time and who doesn't have mic time. And that that made a huge difference. And once I had that confidence and that that sort of vote, there was always going to be other you, old score was always something that made you uncomfortable or unhappy and all the and all the frequency changes and everything else that happened. But 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 through it all, he he could not have been more supportive. And then then when the objective metrics start to tell you things are going well, then people stay out of your way. Who are you crapping? That was a staple of the show. And it, when it was with Dan, it was Dan McNeil. And, it, and, and the, 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 the truth about who you crapped is it was mostly awful. Hey, guys, this is my first crap. Good luck with your first crap. Hey, Frank Tittipetti, wrong era, it's wrong like team. Wrong bit. <laughs> you yeah, I'm sorry. With the, how the things you say. Hey, buddy. I'm sorry. Great call. you crapping that's it go away seriously who are you crapping that's it kill it everybody loved the idea of who you crap yeah but it was especially later and, and this happened later because of when when it was great early because you could save things up something that happened on a saturday that you read in the paper or heard wasn't already chewed through the entire news cycle like now, everything's instant. Something's on Twitter. This person said that. Five minutes later, you don't even know what happened, and everyone's on to the next thing. But then you could say, here's what happened this week. The 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 idea of delaying all of it over the over a week is preposterous now. And that's what happened to who you crap it. It was all old news. It was all old news. And all the best stuff was written, all the best stuff was emailed. It wasn't it wasn't like somebody fumbling around on their phone. But in the in the heyday, when people would call and do various characters and we, it was when it was pre just pre-internet, I think that was the peak of who you're crapping.
the show was entertaining and it was also contentious. And by contentious, the two of you were not very patient with callers, particularly you who used <laughs> to scream at them. And I mean, you used to scream at them. And I think a better oh, thing Jesus for him would Christ. be on base percentage. On base plus slugging. That's okay. what OPS is. Okay, it counts as both. And Adam Dunn gets slugger. on base more. Auto slug, all you gave us was sluggers. Who I happened to also get on base a lot? That's the damn point. This is easy. Are you that stupid? It's both. Well, that was the bit. And that was a bit? Yeah, that was the idea. We we were we were the assholes, and <laughs> and people coming. The timing when people said that I would, what I used to hear was the people who understood what we were doing would say, "I get in my car after work, and all I want to do is scream at the idiots I work with every day." And he said, "You get to do that." He said, how much fun is it you actually get? Like I get to, I got to break the social contract because of the distance that the phone line provided and learning about the psychology of why that succeeded. It couldn't work now. You couldn't do it now. You can't just, the world, the, the world's changed and, and I wouldn't want to do it now because I'm, 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 I'm I'm too old and and I, I, I don't want to, I just don't want to. It's not me anymore. Well, well are, is, is that another way of saying you've mellowed? Oh, totally. I mean, I think it's natural. I think it's an absolutely fair question. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I have two kids in college and yes, of course I have. Yes. And you, you, you know, you, you start thinking about legacy and mortality and all that. And, you, and when, when the, when the question that most people get about you is, is Bernstein really like that? And half the time I'd say, tell him I am, don't ruin the bit. You know, let him let him <laughs> let, let me wear the black hat. Let him think I'm a villain in the whole thing. But after a while, I, pe people know who you are. And I also think that it doesn't sell anymore that people people are so stressed out. And especially, especially with what's happened to American political discourse and how toxic so much of it is. You, you can't go to your sports and tolerate that anymore. But there's still angry people. I mean, this is part oh. of the lure of sports radio is if things are going bad, you get a lot of people who call and you get people, yeah. people are angry, but they're not I, angry I, in, in, in the way of politically speaking. No, but I but but I'm but I'm not not throwing it back at them. Right. Not every discussion. And, and the fact is, we don't take many calls at all anymore because people don't have time and the inclination. Like the only time we take calls essentially is either a special occasion like we did today about the bull stuff or a bears Monday. And even then it's a segment, maybe two segments. Cause we just, it, it, everything is Twitch text, Twitter, and people can express themselves succinctly and immediately without having to wait on the phone. When's the last time you had your air ducts cleaned? Here's the best solution, Mr. Duct, a name Chicagoland has trusted for over 20 years. They work on your furnaces, air conditioners, and do repairs, maintenance, and installations. In other words, they're your all-around company for air quality choice and more. Mr. Duct provides on-site commercial ventilation cleaning estimates. 
you'd be hard-pressed to find better. So give them a call at 888-4-MR-DUCT. That's 888-467-3828. And Mr. Duct is the right choice to clean your residential dryer vents. They do a full inspection to make sure your dryers are running properly. Mr. Duct works with schools, health facilities, and office buildings to make sure you're breathing clean air. Their testimonials are endless, and with good reason. So don't think twice when you're ready to work on air ducts, dry vents, and so much more. Just think Mr. Duct, 888-4-MR-DUCT. That's 888-467-3828. And find them on the web at mrductcleaning.com. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. I've had a number of sports talk show hosts uh, on this podcast. I don't think I've ever asked them this question. What makes a good sports talk show host? What are the necessary ingredients to get listeners to hook on and stay hooked? Well, I think those are different questions, but I, and I think it's changed, but the most important thing is be real. Don't play a character. Don't be, be hot takey. Don't, not everything is, I'm this guy and you're this guy. If you agree, you agree. Just be honest about your feelings. I do think you've got you still have a responsibility to be to to watch not not every game, but to be reasonably informed because you're consuming what the listener is consuming in in the same way. And know when you when you're driving in what the most important things are to your listener that day. I think just na- nailing what th- what that person is thinking about. And one of the best pieces of advice I got that I've extrapolated is from Ron Gleason. And I noticed this as, as a listener just to sports radio, the people who don't get it, but I think the single most important thing, remember you're talking to one person. It's the one-on-one theory that has always been taught even to those of us who anchored. You're talking to one person. One, even if you have to look at your producer, even if you're doing, it's, you're doing a five-hour show on a Sunday morning and you got three, but you're, you are looking, even no matter what tricks you have to do, there's very subtle grammatical things too. I never, it's, it's jarring to me when I hear a host say, all you Bears fans or all you Bulls fans, I think, no, it's you, the Bears fan or you the Bulls fan, where Harry Carey would say, hello again, everybody. That's great for TV. That's great for a big TV audience. You can't do that in radio. It's not hello, everybody. It's hello. I hope your morning is going better than mine because I was just in a traffic jam. You're having a conversation. And I think that extrapolates to how you think about programming. You picture that person. What's that person doing? What's that person feeling? Is that that person walking out into the hot or into the cold? Local, individual radio. 
it's it's critical. And I think it matters with sales. I try to explain it to salespeople. Or when I have a meeting with a potential client, I always say, to whom am I talking? Who's who's who might buy this product? I want to, I want a description of that person, not a demographic, not a chart. Describe that person, and then I can make sure we're more likely to have a su- successful advertising relationship. But the other I, part, the other part of being a talk show host, which is you know, I I did that now and then, but I couldn't do what some of the other people do, like you and Lawrence and, and most everybody else, is you will talk about everything. It's not just sports. There could be movies. There could be music. There could be food. There could be all these things. And you're right there with it. It's as if, you know, you flip a switch. You want to talk about this? We can talk about this. And I think that that's something that I admire that I really couldn't do, that you can just say, hey, this subject just came up. I can talk about it. And you do. You can't be an expert in everything, but you can. But, it, but I think it's important to be conversant in a lot of things. Where And that's where a partnership is really helpful and can be very complimentary because there are certain, there, there are certain aspects of music that Lawrence goes really deep on and wide on. And Lawrence, he's, he's a tremendous, uh, a pop culture, comic books. I yeah. mean, he, the guy, he writes and produces comic books. And there's all kinds of things there where where you have to sometimes lean on your partner and know when it's when it's their turn for something. And the one thing I've I've also learned about to answer your original question about what, what makes a good talk show host, Spiegel and I talk about this all the time together. And this does get back to drama and specifically Chicago improv roots. And the two words that I've, I'm sure you've heard famously from Improv Olympic and Second City have been uh, Del Close and Sharna Halper and sort of the, the godfather and godmother of, of Chicago Improv always say yes and. Your group, your partner, the discussion, you, you don't you ever close a door. You always support your partner if your partner's going somewhere. Watching the game because we were watching both and he called it this is a franchise-altering event. Yes! Why is that so hard to understand through all of this? Who's not understanding? Uh, come on. And I look at that. If the discussion is going somewhere, instead of shutting it down, it's yes and let's talk about this or we can dovetail it with this. And I think that's where you get all sorts of real fertile ground for for creative stuff is never shutting somebody down never waiting for your turn to take it in a different direction when it's it's going to get to you like like i always i i always scream at, at, at demar Derozan, pass the ball to get it back it's sort of the same with 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 yes and was there ever a moment where and, and this may be hard to believe you were flummoxed by something, whether it was a breaking story, a caller, or even a guest. I've never been flummoxed as in I I couldn't find words. I could always find something to say. I mean, I've had some contentious interviews. I've had some strange interviews. Give me a strange interview. I interviewed a horse. You did. And I I, I only I only did it because this I wasn't to, this wasn't Mr. Red, by the way. I did it to piss off Jesse. Because I was, they had me out. It's a hundred degrees. We're at Grant Park for one of the Bulls championship rallies, and I had done a scene setter. And Jesse's just 
calling me, calling me. I need a guest. I need a guest. You, I, I need a guest. You got to interview somebody. You got to put somebody on. I said, Jesse, they're on the stage. I can't get to the stage. Anybody important. There, there's 100,000 people here or, or more. I have 500,000 people. I can't get to the stage. You got, you got to get me somebody. So, okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll get you somebody. And I, and, and there's a, there's, there's a mounted police officer. And I said, excuse me. I said, what's your horse's name? And I don't even remember. It was like, this is, uh, this is Chuckles. And I said, all right, you, you, you mind if I put Chuckles on the air? And it gives me a look like this. What the hell are you talking about? I said, just, just give me a few minutes. I said, Jesse, I got somebody. This was with North and Jiggets? Yeah. Okay. Jesse, I got, I got a live interview. This is good. <laughs> put, put me up. I got one. And I, I, just, I had just had enough. I'm, I'm sweating. I'm, I'm carrying the equipment. I'm on the phone. The, the phone weighs 40 pounds. And so, I, so I, I did it totally deadpan. And I would ask a question and hold the microphone up to the horse. And I would ask another question and hold the microphone up to the horse. And I think finally they hung up on me. But <laughs> I would have done the same thing. <laughs> you want an interview? You got one. Oh, gosh. Uh, speaking of guests, there have been good ones and there have been bad ones. Are you willing to take both ends of this question? Yeah. But the, but the bad ones could become great ones after the fact. There's no such thing. There could be a bad interview. There could be a terrible interview. But then it becomes lore. That if you if you go out of your way to make fun of it, it can it can you can flip it into really good content. Okay, give me a few uh, names. Okay, the, the the worst interview we we ever did. Terry and I. Who's you? And the funny thing is, usually great guests. It was it was set up around the Super Bowl, and it was it was like some it was like Prevacid or something like that, or one of the antacids. They said, "Do you want to talk to John Madden?" And what was the other guy's name? Anthony Barr, the offensive lineman, I think. So we sit down, and it was the first interview right out of the gate, like one of those shows where you break form. They've got to do it right at whatever time we were starting at the time. And it's like, hello, we're all excited. Like, okay, here's John Madden. And meanwhile, the, there was some sort of lag in the phone where no one could hear anybody. And it was awful. We'd say a question, they'd talk over half the question. He'd start an answer. One of them would talk and then Madden would try to talk and I couldn't hear you and you can't hear this. And everybody's trying their best. And, <laughs> and then I'm, it, it was so bad. And we realized it at the time. And Matt Abaticola, our producer, just got his, his, his hand, his head, his hand. And we're like, we'll give it like, the, you know, cut it short, cut it short. But we had to take care of the sponsor. And they were raising awareness of heartburn. So it, it was like, who's not aware of heartburn? It's it's not some obscure disease. So at the end, I'm like, so what can you tell us about how to be aware of a heartburn? And then one of the phones craps out. I mean, John Madden didn't understand it. Well, what I was because he couldn't hear us, so we just bailed. And somewhere we've got a tape of it. The, of of the whole thing, and it oh, was, I'd like to get I'd like to get my hands on that. Oh, it's so awful. It's it's even it's even worse than I'm describing. It really I, is. I remember personally. I remember one of the best guests, and, and this may be one of your best guests or the station's best guests. But I don't know. If, well, were you there when Doug Collins was was with the station? Oh yeah, yeah. He he was one of our experts. He was always he was great. Always. I mean, just a great talker, and he'd go in any direction you wanted to go. He was, as as a regular guest, he was certainly one of the best. But the the one that is 
most important to me that was very, very early in our show, and I don't know how Matt Fishman even got this done, in studio on Belmont for a half an hour with Eric Idle of Monty Python. Excuse me, I would like to buy a fish license, please. <laughs> the man's sign must be wrong. I have in the past noticed a marked discrepancy between these post office signs and the activities carried out beneath. But soft, let us see how Dame Fortune smiles upon my next postal adventure. That was, I mean, to this day, I you talk about starstruck. That's the closest I've ever been to having trouble, like, Holy shit! That that this is a founding member of Monty Python, and he had a he had a science fiction type book out, and he he, he was just he was open to everything. Couldn't have been just more kind and funny and himself and real. And to this day, when you know I follow him on Twitter, and it was that that was just I I, I treasure having had the opportunity to have done that. If you want to hear more guests on Tell Me a Story I Don't Know, all you have to do is go to Last Word on Sports on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to the many wonderful interviews we've done dating back to January of 2021. We resume part two with Dan Bernstein on Tell Me a Story I Don't Know. You've had to transition. Uh, to several partners, and then that cannot be easy, but you've made it sound that way. You were a solo guy, and I don't know how many partners you've had, but there have been several, and I imagine the transition can't be easy. It, it's just radio, man. It's just talking. It really is. It, it just, as long as you remember, yes, and. As long as you remember, your partners had experiences that you haven't had, and your partner had an upbringing that you didn't have and different perspectives and just, just going with it. And I think especially with Layla was really opening my mind to a lot of things, you know, on the air and off the air. And, you know, when just, just how, how, how difficult and different, not just for a woman, but a woman of color in a major market and all that, and, and getting those perspectives, that was that for, for my evolution and my understanding as more than a talk show host. And has been a major problem. Our partner, Layla Rahimi, has talked about this with both Kopech and Dylan Cease. Yes, It what? being one of the biggest problems that they have. Yeah, and I got called arrogant for pointing out that Dylan Cease's walk rate was going to not win in the Cy Young last year because facts. Uh, it's not just a Dylan Cease and Michael Kopech problem, gentlemen. I think that experience, and I think working with Jason as 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 a black man and understanding his perspective and and learning about that and how how different his you know, his his perspectives were and and understanding and appreciating things that were new to me that's 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 the point of a partnership for anybody that needs to talk to old seth frankoff i'll be over here the seth frankoff show has begun right. he walks into madden's office hey joe you tell me oh, my bad skip you tell me when you need me all right i'll be over here warming up I'll be in the Seth Frankoff wing of this new clubhouse. He's like, just call me the governor, right. by the way. <laughs> he also runs Rippy's ribs. <laughs> he's, 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 he's rotating his arms like only, only a certain amount of bullets in this thing. Skip. You are passionate about a lot of things. 
but you're very devoted to a specific charity, children's oncology. What drew you to that? Uh, what the mission? When, I mean, I, I was I started out that their their junior board had me help out with a poker event, but what what drew me to it and the reason why I've spent so much time is is the mission. It's just it's so it's so special to have a a, a charity that is centered around pediatric cancer that isn't about hospitals. It's not about research. It's not about, it's much more about life and happiness than anything else. And be believing in the mission of that charity is, is just, it, it's, it's central. It's, it's why anybody should be involved with any charity is, is cleaving to the belief in the mission. And with every day that, that's gone by and every, every new adventure for the, our increasingly successful group that, that we're able to have, it makes me extremely proud. And you have a celebrated Texas Hold'em tournament, which is sold out every year that contributes to the charity. It's a great way to get people out. It is our, I mean, it's just amazing how far we've come with, with that event and with our, our annual gala that we're doing and, and, and really proud of what COVID allowed us to understand about ourselves and how we're able to grow now, not just into our camps and our programs, but into an entire different branch called Connected, that because of, of what we had to do for COVID, we realized that rather than just go back, now it's yes and. And now we're keeping all of the programs that we had for kids that were at a certain point in their chemo who couldn't come to camp or who aren't just in Wisconsin, Indiana, Illinois, Michigan, and Iowa. We've had kids in our connected programs from all over the world now. And we've got kids participating from Australia to Ukraine and elsewhere who are now part of our family because of what, what COVID forced us to learn how to do. So here you are in your mid fifties. Can you see doing something else in the near future? Is this where you want to be for the rest of your career? Oh, I don't know. I'm glad to have a steady job, but the only thing that's professionally calling me a little bit now is, is doing more play by play that if that opportunity, whatever it may be, I would, with especially having been able, having been blessed and lucky enough to be able to be around my kids, to be able to raise my kids, to be able to come home from work and be a dad. That now they don't need me so much anymore. They've, it's time we've we've prepared them well enough to have them have them launch. And if I'm going to have some time, a, a little bit of travel, some reading, some crossword puzzles, some time sitting and having coffee with Beth. But if that means now I'm not going to feel guilty about being in a hotel because I'm doing play-by-play. -play. I would I would really like to do more of that. I ask this final question to all my guests. If not for sports broadcasting, what would you have been? Probably a relatively successful but relatively unhappy lawyer. Relatively successful but relatively unhappy. Mm -hmm. I think this whole thing says you're very happy now. I think I'm pretty lucky when you look back at it. <laughs> we, we all are in, in many ways. This has been a long time in coming, Dan. It's hard to believe that you've been at the score for 27 years. Time really does fly. Yeah, keep informing, keep entertaining the masses. And thank you, Dan Bernstein, for telling me a story I don't know. My pleasure. 
My thanks to WSCR 670 The Score and Monty Python with Eric Idle for those fabulous highlights. And my thanks as always to the people behind the scenes that help make this wonderful podcast possible. TJ Rees for putting us on the map, Will Hatzel for his crafty editing, and Nick Tochi for our wonderful graphics. And to our presenting sponsor, Mr. Duct. You can find them on the web at mrduct.com. Tune in next week when we feature another intriguing guest on Tell Me a Story I Don't Know. I'm George Hoffman, and that's all she wrote.